Amen. Amen. Well, 2019, it is a new year full of new opportunities, new possibilities. And, uh, you know, with every new year, thousands of people, millions of people enter into a new year with great hopes, great aspirations. Like maybe this is my year. Maybe this is the year that things will change for me. And we all set out with those wonderful, magical little goals we like to call a New Year's resolution. And uh, some people's resolution is fitness. Like this woman, fitness whole burger in my, that's appropriate for tonight. Fitness whole burger in my mouth. That's the kind of fitness I can, I can subscribe to. Uh, other common resolutions, going to the gym, quit smoking, manage debt, save some money, get a better job. That's not my resolution, just full disclosure. <laughs> Take a trip, we'll go on a diet. You know, all my dad would say about dieting, and he, uh, nine o'clock would know him, he, he does ushering in the nine o'clock, Keith, and uh, he would say about diets, yeah, my diet is a seafood diet. I see food and I eat it. <laughs> I do like my dad jokes. <laughs> but who would agree that we all want to live our best life? Yeah. You know, we want to be the best version of ourselves that we can possibly be. But in order to grow and improve, we need change. We need change. And that's where our resolutions come in. They say insanity, and you've heard this before, is doing the same thing, expecting a different result. Well, I believe in equally great insanity is to live the same year 70 times and call it a life. And I don't know about you, but I want to make sure that this year is different. I want to make sure that I'm growing. I don't want to repeat the same mistakes. I don't want to be the same person that I was before. I want to be improving, progressing, getting to know God more, and pursuing the best calling that He has got on my life. And I want that for me. I want it to be the best year that it can be. But there are any number of resolutions for self-improvement, I think that top of the tree, top of the list for any Christian needs to be our relationship with God. It needs to be our hunger for God, and that should be our ultimate resolution. You see, out of a hunger for God, out of relationship with God, that's the foundation from which everything else in life flows. That's the, that's the well that we dig from. That's the, the, what we draw from in life. And so when things are hard, when things go wrong and we need strength, it's out of our relationship with God that we draw from. And so as we heard uh, so well from Pastor Sam a couple of weeks ago, we need to be depositing into our relationship with God so that we can draw from it later. A few uh, verses on our relationship with God. Daniel 11 verse 32 the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Who wants strength in life? Hands up. Who wants to carry out some great exploits and uh, make a mark on this world? Who wants to make a contribution in their lives? The key to that is to know God. And also knowing God and relationship with God is key if we need Him to provide for our daily needs. Matthew 6.33, seek the kingdom of God above all else, live righteously, and He will give you everything you need. So you see, our hunger for God, it's foundational to living our best life. And today we're going to explore what it takes to grow in our relationship with God and our hunger for God, because the truth is it doesn't just happen by itself. It doesn't just fall from the sky. We need to be intentional. But uh, <clears throat> resolutions, they're actually quite powerful. Uh, studies show that if you set a resolution, you're 10 times more likely to achieve that goal. 10 times more likely when you set a resolution. And they can be just the jump start that we need to reach that goal, to hit that target that we want to hit. And actually for myself, um, 
it was a New Year's resolution that was my, the beginning of my journey back to God. I grew up in the church, but as a teenager, I kind of came to the realization that, you know, life without God was not heading in a, in a fruitful direction, was empty. And so it was a New Year's resolution as a teenager that made me, that gave me the motivation that I needed, gave me the opportunity that I needed, the excuse that I needed to press into God, to pursue Him more, to get into His Word, to get into church uh, with all of my heart like I hadn't been to that point in my life. So they can be a jump start. And, uh, but is making a resolution really enough? Is a resolution in itself enough for change? And resolutions, they get a bad rep. They get a bad reputation. And I think the reason is because so many resolutions fail. So many resolutions fail. Like this poor guy you're about to see, and I'm sure many of us can relate. I can't believe it's been a whole year since I didn't become a better person. I know I don't want that to be my December statement. You know, I can't believe it's been a whole year that I didn't become a better person. And uh, statistics show that 32% of people don't actually plan to make resolutions probably because of failed resolutions in the past. And uh, so no, ma no matter what our resolution is, it's almost doomed to fail from the beginning if we depend on our willpower alone, if we depend on our feelings alone. But if making the resolution isn't enough, what else can we do to increase our chances? Well, you see, I believe a resolution needs a plan. A resolution needs a plan. And no amount of wishful thinking is going to get you to where you want to be. And that's absolutely true when we're talking about growing in our relationship with God, growing in our hunger for God. We need a plan. We need a plan to make sure that growth happens. And we need a plan that sets us up for success, that positions us to make real progress, and one that ensures that our hunger for God will actually grow. Now, I like to call this plan a spiritual diet plan. Spiritual diet plan. So ask the person next to you, how's your spiritual diet? How's your spiritual diet? Are you healthy? Are you feeding yourself the right stuff in your spiritual diet? Because we need to plan our spiritual diet so that we satisfy our life with the right stuff. Because if we don't plan our spiritual diet, we're going to satisfy our life with the things that are junk food, with the things that are easy access, and we're going to get distracted because so often we look to satisfy our lives with the wrong things, whether it's comfort or entertainment or it's money or career or job. Those things, they don't satisfy us if they're apart from our relationship with God. And physical food is a classic example. You know, so often we meet a meal hit a mealtime, and unless we plan something healthy, you know, we go to the pantry and there's the chips and biscuits and the junk food. You know, that easy access stuff is not good for us. Or like you get to the end of a day, you know, that last hour of work comes and you're hungry, you jump in the car, go home. And uh, the first thing you see driving down the road are the golden arches, you know. It's the Burger King and you think, oh, you know, a $3 cheeseburger is not going to really hurt that bad. And you just whip in there and it tastes good for a moment. And it uh, satisfies you a little bit, but you know, really it's not healthy for you, not for your body and not for your wallet. And uh, it's the easy access stuff, but it's not the stuff that's good for you. Uh, for me, if I haven't planned a good lunch, you know what's downstairs from the church office? There's a bakery, <laughs> bakery pies, you know, the donuts, it's all good for a moment. Camping recently, we, um, you know, unless we plan a good meal, 
you know, the chips and the biscuits are in the chili bin, or like you go out for a day's outing, and unless you pack a lunch that's semi-decent, you end up popping into a cafe and spending way too much money, or takeaways and eating way bad food. And so we have to be intentional. We have to plan, and we can't depend on our feelings or circumstances to make sure we're spiritually feeding ourselves. Here's a couple of verses on planning. Proverbs 14.22. If you plan to do evil, you'll be lost. If you plan to do good, you'll receive unfailing love and faithfulness. Good doesn't come naturally. It doesn't come automatically. We need to be intentional to plan to do good and make sure we do it. Isaiah 32 verse 8 says, Generous people plan to do what is generous, and they stand firm in their generosity. A plan helps us to stand firm, to be solid in our goals, to not give up when it gets hard. A plan means that we're not being led by our feelings and our emotions, but we've got some steps to follow, and we can be disciplined. Proverbs 21 verse 5 says, Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity. And I'm sure we all want our spiritual lives to prosper. I'm sure we all want prosperity in our lives. Well, good planning and hard work is how you're going to get there. Hard work. Lamentations 3 verse 40. Instead, let us test and examine our ways. Let us turn back to the Lord. Don't just float through life letting it happen to you. Don't just go through the motions and hope you're going to make some progress and hope for the best. Examine your ways. Assess yourself. How does my behavior, how is it going to play out? And what's it going to look like down the track if I continue with this? And so we need to examine our ways and make a plan. So tell someone next to you, examine your ways. Make a plan. And today we're going to make that plan. We're going to make that plan. We're going to be very practical today. So grab out your piece of paper. Grab out your notebook or your phone, turn off Facebook for a moment and uh, open up that notes app. And uh, we're going to follow this simple template. So I want you to write at the top the month. See, typically I do January, but we're nearly finished January. So let's live a little six weeks. We'll ease into this January, February. And just write the numbers one through to four. And we're going to fill in the blanks as we go. So what does our diet plan need to look like? Well, number one, I believe that our spiritual diet, it needs to be a priority. It needs to be a priority in our lives. So making a plan is like saying, I believe this thing is important and I'm going to make sure it gets done. It's a priority to me. I'm going to make sure it doesn't fall off the table, doesn't get forgotten about, doesn't get squeezed out by other things. I'm going to make sure this gets done because it's important, because I value it. Our relationship with God needs to be that thing that we so value and priority, prioritize so that it doesn't fall off the table. We need to make sure it gets done. And giving something room in our lives, obviously that means other things need to push out of the way. We need to make the space. We need to drop off some things so that we can squeeze in our priorities. We need to make, give it room. And so making our spiritual diet a priority involves surrender involves surrender. Surrendering of things that may well be very good and enjoyable, but they're not our best. So we need surrender. Proverbs 16 verse 3 says, commit, or in other words, surrender your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. Surrender your actions. Surrender your priorities. Surrender your habits. Ask yourself, what actions does God want me to do? What actions does he want you to not do, maybe? How does God want my daily routine to look? 
how would God structure my day and my schedule so that my soul is going to be healthy? How would he suggest I organize my time? You see, if we honor God with our details, if we honor him with our little steps, our practical steps, our everyday activities, our habits and our routines, then he says that he will make our lives to be a success. He will lead the big picture of our lives if we focus on getting it right every step of the day. And we must surrender some things in life in order to be spiritually healthy. So some example of things, time. We need to surrender time. That might mean getting up earlier in the morning so that you can spend time with God and, and develop your relationship with Him. It might mean, going to bed, might mean going to bed earlier so that you have the energy to get up earlier in the morning and spend some time with God. You know, we need to plan this stuff. Other things we need to sacrifice and surrender, what thoughts we entertain, certain worldviews, who we hang out with, what we spend our money on, attitudes we'd like to have, but maybe we shouldn't, some revenge, some jealousies, there's some things in there that we need to let go of. Our spiritual health requires surrender. But the promise is, if we commit our lifestyle to God, His promise is that He will lead and direct our steps towards success. So number one on our plan, this is what I want you to write down. I'll give you 10 seconds to do this. Quick and simple, write down one thing that you will adjust in your priorities. One thing you will adjust in your priorities so that you can make progress in your hunger and in your relationship for God. One thing you will adjust. You could almost look at this as being like a time goal or an adjustment. One thing about your priorities that you can surrender. Example for me, I've been intentional to have more time to prioritize fasting this month in January and uh, making the space for that. And obviously that means dropping off some things, some food that I'd rather be having. But you've got to make the space for the things that will develop your hunger for God. You think about Daniel in the Bible. Daniel had a spiritual plan of praying three times a day and nothing would get in the way of this. And it was causing his life success. But then the laws of the land changed and it became illegal and the, the penalty was death to pray to anyone except the king. But Daniel didn't let that get in the way because he had a plan. And he continued in that plan. And God blessed him. He protected him. God promoted him. And God blessed his life with success. Because Daniel had a plan, which meant when it got hard, he could continue through with those priorities. So let's be like Daniel and establish our priorities. All right, the second thing that we need to consider in our spiritual diet plan is our appetite. Our appetite, what we feed on. Have you ever noticed that you get used to the foods that you eat the most? You know, we are the ones who develop our appetites. We develop our taste by what we feed ourselves most regularly. We are the ones who set our addictions, and we are the ones that start to crave our usual diet. If you don't believe me, I've got one word for you. Coffee. Okay, we're not coffee drinkers at 11 o'clock. How about this one? Chocolate. Come on. But you get the point. You know what I mean? For me, it's water. Uh, obviously, there are other foods that I crave, but the one that most noticeable for me is, Jody, is water. When I started to increase my water intake uh, you know, a number of years ago now, but now I wake up and it's like the first thing I want is a massive glass of water, and I just down that thing. I'm like, give me some water. And if I, if I get distracted in the day and I'm busy and I haven't been keeping up my water, I get to the, you know, three o'clock, whatever, I'm like, man, I really need water, like... I crave it. My body, crave, my body has learned. My has learned. I know it's, it's good though. <laughs> Learn to crave water and coffee. 
and chocolate, all of the above. But you know, I know what it feels like to, to have that craving and to have missed that intake. And 1 Peter chapter 2 talks about cravings. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk. Why? So that you'll grow into full experience of salvation or relationship with God. Cry out for that nourishment now that you've had a taste of the Lord's kindness. It's having a taste of God that sets our craving for more of Him. So I want to encourage you, get a taste for God. Get a taste for Him so that you'll cra- you begin to crave Him more. Like we heard from Pastor Tag last week, if we're hungry for the wrong things, we feed ourselves with the wrong things, the solution is to starve it. It's to kill it. If, you, if you've got the wrong tastes, if you're craving the wrong things, the solution is to feed yourself with something else that's good. And uh, so starve those cravings. Get a taste instead for the right spiritual foods. Healthy eaters, and you'll notice this, healthy eaters, they don't crave fish and chips. They don't crave the junk food. They're like, how can you eat that stuff? It's disgusting. You know, they've got to change their taste. They've changed their palate. They've changed their craving. And uh, so we need to change our cravings. And First Peter, First Peter chapter 2 says we can get a taste for God. We can get a taste. Psalm says taste and see that the Lord is good. And we're not getting a taste for religion. It's not for church and religion and all those trimmings. We're getting a taste for God. We're getting a taste for His voice for His love, for His kindness. That's the stuff that we need to crave. Moments in His presence. Start to crave that. Get a taste for that. Get a, get a craving for times that He shows up in your life and, and says, hey, I'm here. I'm real. I've got your back. Get a craving for those moments, seeing miracles in your life. Because 2019, I believe it's time to change our tastes. I believe it's time to work on what we crave. So if you're craving gossip, if you're craving complaining or entertainment or comfort or pride or, un- or unforgiveness, it's time to starve that addiction, starve those cravings. If your soul demands that stuff to be satisfied, if you have to go after that stuff for you to be fulfilled, or if that's the stuff that makes you feel good, it's time to starve it and to get new cravings in our life. I believe that's 2019, that's what we need to focus on, because we are in control of our cravings. We're in control of our cravings for this reason, based on what we consistently feed ourselves. Be consistent with feeding yourself with the right taste, and your taste will change, trust me. So what are some spiritual foods? Well, obviously, there are the staples that we need to feed on. Prayer, reading the Bible, fasting, praise and worship, fellowship with other believers in church or in small groups. But have you considered some of the more obscure spiritual foods, like your attitude, Your attitude feeds you. What you allow to remain in your heart, the environment that you set in your heart, it feeds your soul for good or for bad. Junk foods like offense, resentment, judgment, jealousy, pride, they're like the fast foods. You know, they're easy access. They might make you feel a little bit better about yourself for a moment, but in the long run, they're unhealthy and they're not gonna give you the strength that you need in life. Alternatively, faith, joy, compassion, humility, gratitude, Those are the things we need to feed ourselves with, and they'll give you a strong soul. So your attitudes feed you. Another food, sacrifice, like serving, like giving, sacrifice. Giving out actually feeds us in. Giving out feeds us in. Proverbs 11.25, the generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. When we sacrifice, when we serve or give for others, it feeds our soul. 
it comes back to us. It's a healthy spiritual diet. Have you ever seen a swimming pool that's been a little bit neglected, you know, hasn't been maintained, hasn't, hasn't got the right equipment? No one's, yeah, it looks pretty disgusting. Like, who wants to jump into that? Pretty toxic. But see, a pool needs a pump and a filter. It needs a flow of water to be healthy. It needs water coming in but it needs water flowing out. It needs motion, it needs movement, in and out. And our soul, like a swimming pool, it needs in and it needs out. We need to feed ourselves the right stuff, but we also need to give out for ourselves to be healthy spiritually and strong spiritually. And I actually find that through serving, through giving, through serving, is what puts into practice the theory that we learn when we're receiving in. It's like when you're serving, you get the opportunity to be patient, to be kind, to be loving, to be joyful. It, gives, it puts into action, puts into process the character that we need to form in our lives. And for myself, there's nothing that uh, illustrates this better than having kids. Having kids, so you laugh, but it's true. So when you have kids, suddenly you don't have all the time to yourself. You need to serve. You need to be joyful. You need to be patient. Liesl's smiling. You know what this is like. But you do. You need to put into practice the fruit of the Spirit. And there's nothing that grows your character more than putting it into practice. And I've found I have grown more in my character and in my walk with God by serving my family and the, and the requirements that it needs in that sacrifice than in any other phase of my life. And so giving out, it's good for our spiritual health. And so number two in your notes... Our appetite, what's one staple spiritual food that you need to add? Write it down, give you 10 seconds. What's one spiritual food that you're going to add this month or increase this much? Or maybe there's one thing that you need to stop doing, a bad food you need to remove from your diet. What's an adjustment to your appetite? What's a craving that you need to shift this year? Is it comfort? Is it entertainment? Is it an attitude thing? Just write down one achievable, simple thing that you can focus on for one month. For me, I've been um, trying to increase prayer in my life through the day. And, you know, not just having prayer time, but prayer as I go. And so I've been trying to take some breaks from the desk and go for a walk or, or something and just pray. And trying to have moments through my day where I am mindful to pray for my task and pray for, pray for my day. Increasing prayer. Because, you know, the junk food comes easy, right? The junk food comes easy. But getting a taste and an appetite for the healthy food takes a little more intentional effort. So write that down. All right, the next thing to consider in our diet plan is to be realistic. Be realistic. Little by little, we're going to grow. And Sam covered this so well a couple of weeks ago. Uh, if you missed his message, if you're on holiday, holiday catch it on YouTube. Uh, all about the investments that we can make into our spiritual life. And you'll remember this from Rachel Hunter. It won't happen overnight, but it will happen. And that's what it's like with our spiritual health, our spiritual diet. A good spiritual diet will show its benefit over time. Watch the pennies and the dollars will take care of themselves. Focus on the days and the years will work out. Little by little investments. Ed Cohen is a widely regarded, uh, through the, throughout the powerlifting world, as, a, as the greatest powerlifter of all time. Cohen has set over 71 world records in powerlifting. And this is what he says. I took my time and made a little tiny bit of progress 
four or five times a day. When you make a little progress four times a year for 28 years, you're going to be pretty good at what you do. I never thought, oh, I have to lift X amount of weight or I have to reach whatever goal. I just thought, I'm going to get better. And this is what I have to do to get better. These are my weaknesses. Let me correct my weaknesses. There's a great principle in what he says. Have an ambition to get better and identify what it takes. What is one weakness and how are you going to correct it? Focus on progress, improvement, little by little. Make those gains. And over, t- over time, I believe that we can be power lifters in our spirit. You know, we can be power lifters if we make those little gains and investments. Start small. Start small and get some wins. You know, start with something easy and let the motivation of, of, of achieving something, let that momentum fuel you to keep going. You know, one win after another win will build upon itself with greater momentum. And so start with something achievable that you can knock off, that you can make an improvement in and begin to see the inspiration that that gives you to keep on going. So what's that one next step for you? You find that Christianity is just simply a series of next steps. What's next, God? What are you teaching me next? What's next in my character to adjust? What's that next thing you want me to do? What's that next act of kindness? Focus on the next steps because Christianity is not really a destination. We're not trying to get to a, a perfect place. We're just journeying with God one step at a time. So in some ways, we need to forget about you know trying to be like the, that great Christian or trying to be that perfect Christian and uh, focus instead on what's now. What can I do now to make myself better and to improve? That's what we need to focus on. And if we can learn to enjoy that process, if we can learn to enjoy the continual improvement of our lives, I think we can thrive in our relationship with God. So number three on our plan is one area where you want to make progress in. One area in your life of improvement. This could be a weakness that you want to just address this month. could be a skill that you want to develop. could be a vulnerability that you have. could be a habit that you want to set. Something that you can make an improvement in and take another step forward little by little. For me, this is, uh, for this month, I'm working on discipline. Discipline, being, making discipline choices, following through, being committed to my plans. And soul food is great for that because I don't want to fall I don't want to fall behind with soul food. So I'm disciplined to, uh, I'm reading the Bible in times I've never read the Bible before, just so I don't fall behind, you know, like, I mean, it's a decent chunk of reading. And so, you know, and if I do happen to skip a day, I'm like, the next day, I'm like, yeah, I've got to catch that up, you know, being disciplined, setting a plan, I'm working on that, and, and soul food is great for that. So just remember, focus on progress. We're not saying you're going to ace this area, but you're just going to improve it. All right, finally, number four, we need to remember that with any plans, there are going to be challenges. There are going to be setbacks, ups and downs. So we need to not get discouraged. We need to persevere. We need to persevere with our plan. Now, here's a simple math equation that many Christians fail, including myself. I've taken this from uh, Sammy at UBI, and there it is. 999 days of progress plus one day of regression equals what? Right, I'll tell you what many Christians, including myself, think of that question. This is how we answer. All right, let's have the answer there, John. 
Many Christians, Christians answer 1,000 days of regression. And isn't that funny how that works? You know, we can, 999 days, we can be following along in our goals, and then we have one bad day. We have one mess up, you know, and, and we feel like we've gone back to the start. We feel like we're back at square one, like we're the person we used to be, like we're the failure that we see ourselves. We get discouraged, and at that point, we give up. We give up. We throw away the 999 days of progress, and we think it's not worth it. We give up. But I want to give you a better answer. And here's a better answer. Thanks, John. 999 days of progress plus one day of regression equals just that. 999 days of progress and just one day of regression. Just one day. That's, that's simply all it is. You look at it this way. If you weigh 200 kgs and through good eating, through exercise, through discipline and a great plan over two years, you shed half that weight, 100 kgs. And then you had a bad week. Maybe it was Christmas time. You ate the wrong foods. You stopped exercising. Have you made some bad choices? Yeah, probably. Will you put on some pounds? Yes. Does that mean you're back where you started? No. Does that mean that all your progress over those last two years is just gone, erased? Not at all. So after those bad days, after those regressions, you need to get up, you need to dust off, and you need to start fighting again. Because one failure doesn't set you back. One failure doesn't mean that you're back to the start. That regression isn't the end of the journey. God's mercies are fresh every morning. Every morning. He is faithful. He's compassionate. So don't let a failure give you an excuse to quit. Don't give a mistake an excuse to get off the track. It's not about how many times you fall. It's about how many times you get back up again. And there will be days that your feelings support you. There will be days where the hunger for God is there. But there will be days when it's not. There will be days when your feelings are against you. But you know what? Those are the days we need to stick to the plan. And if you do fall short, you just need to get back on the plan and keep it up and get back on track. Because the goal, remember, is not perfection. The goal is progress. The goal is improvement. And God understands our struggles. He won't give up on you no matter how many times you stumble. There's no condemnation. There's no shame. He's your biggest champion. He's your biggest cheerleader. Just keep investing into your diet and get back on the plan. So number four. Write this down. One area you need to persevere in. One area you need to persevere in. It could be something you've given up on. It could be a struggle that you're fighting right now. It could be something that you know God is asking you to do, but you may be intimidating it or, uh, intimidated by it or you're putting it off. Actually, for me, that's exactly what it is. It's something I know that God wants me to do, but it seems like a big investment and I'm putting it off. I'm putting it off. But I want to make steps of progress in that thing this month. So what is it for you? What is that thing that you need to progress in and persevere with today? If I can have the band back, thanks. So there it is. There's our diet plan for the next month. They say it takes 21 days to set a habit. 21 days to set a habit. A month has got more than that, or February, you're only just scraping in. But focus on this plan. Focus on those four things. Or if not those four things, one thing, something. Focus on that, and only focus on that 
for this month. Focus on improving that, of locking that in, of making it a habit, of making gains and improvement on that one thing. Focus there. That's your plan for the month. Now imagine if you were able to establish that thing, get it into your life as a solid routine. Then imagine if you did this every month of the year. 12 times, four things, 48 improvements in your spiritual life, 48 progresses and areas of weakness in your life. Think how great your life will be. Think how rich your relationship with God will be. Think how strong your soul is gonna be after a year of that. Now think about five years. Think about doing this for five years. How much progress we can make by breaking it down to just focusing on one or two little action steps. A dream written down with a date becomes a goal. A goal broken down into steps becomes a plan. A plan backed by action becomes reality. And let's make our greatest resolution for this year to be our hunger for God, our relationship for God, and let's make sure it happens this year. Let's make sure that unlike our other resolutions, this one doesn't drop off the table. This one doesn't get squeezed out by other priorities, but that we make sure we're intentional to feed ourselves spiritually and make some real progress for 2019. Why don't you just stand with me? Grab your plan, grab your phone, because we're going to commit this to God. We're gonna lay this before God in a moment as we sing. But before we do that, I just wanna speak to those who maybe you don't know God, maybe you don't have a relationship with God. And we're talking about growing a relationship with God. You might ask, how can I have that? How can I see God? How can I hear God? Well, you can. He's our Father, He's our friend. And He's opened up His heart to us through Jesus. Jesus came, He died on the cross for our sins. 